Welcome back to Discursion, the film podcast where we discuss recently released and restored films on home media, including DVD and Blu-ray. Um, my name is Stephen Roberts. I'm Dominic Lash. And uh, this week we are discussing Cure, directed by Japanese filmmaker uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa, who um, I am new to. I don't know much about him. I don't know if that's because of his more discreet sort of career or his his uh, his kind of trajectory. You know, is he really well known outside the West? Um, Dominic knows a bit. I think you know a bit more about him than I do. Uh, that says maybe. Yeah, I, I believe he's known in Japan as the other Kurosawa, you know, to um, distinguish him from obviously the more famous Akira uh, Kurosawa. Yeah, I mean, I think he's quite prolific. I mean, he's, he's he directed a great many films of which I haven't seen um, a large proportion. But I think this film, I understand he's, I think he did quite a lot of work in, in maybe in TV and possibly in um, sort of straight, uh, straight to video kind of films earlier than... Um, than this film cure which is 1997 um and i think this was something of a breakthrough for him at least certainly i think uh, certainly in the west it, it was i think it's probably still his best known film um and it tends to be associated with there's a j-horror um movement from around that kind of time um and yeah i mean he's made a you know sort of quite a he's got a a diverse body of work but a number of other films which at least kind of touch on um horror themes or uh, you know horror films of a sort um so pulse is another one um also known as cairo which is quite interesting and has some overlaps with this film um film film called creepy which is a much more recent um cure it seems to be sort of spoken of in in the same breath as Films like The Ring, um, but I'm not quite sure how illuminating that parallel really is. I think perhaps it's the case that you know, uh, perhaps as is often often the case with you know the reception of non-Western films in the West that a particular group of films are made around the same sort of time happen to strike some sort of chord, um, you know, overseas. <laughs> And then people yeah. pe- people announce that there's a movement, but yeah, <laughs> it's, it's a question worth... I was going to ask you actually. You know, how squarely does this actually fit within that J horror um, category? I mean, we've been discussing a number of films just over the past few months that all deal with investigation, whether of you know a murder or a theft or a kidnapping, and this feels like it fits more in the kind of investigative line of you know, uh, filmmaking rather than horror. I mean, it's not a it's not a, a pure thoroughbred horror film, is it? I mean, there are touches, perhaps, of things that we might see in Ring and we can maybe get on to the stylistic elements. Um, it also reminded me of The Sixth Sense in some ways that came out two years later and is obviously made outside Japan, but is a, a well-known horror film and has those surreal... Uh, aspects or um visionary kind of aspects um seeing people dead who are not dead and so on um but it's more it feels more like a you know the body of the film is 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 an investigator 
trying mm. to get to the bottom of these mm. murders. Yeah, you know, to me. No, yeah, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think it's yeah, it's place, it's sort of generic location is quite hard to pin down. Um, it's not sensational sort of horror at all. I mean, I suppose the reasons that it makes sense to think of it as some kind of horror are precisely as you say because it does have a sort of seemingly supernatural dimension or at least kind of not entirely uh yeah or kind of quasi supernatural it's a lot to do with you know hypnotism and mesmerism and that's at the center of the plot but yeah on 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 another level it's a it's a police procedural about a about a tormented tormented detective <laughs> I feel that itch, Dominic, that time when I need to need to actually say what's in the film and what happens <laughs> what happens in the film. Um shall I take a crack at this? Oh okay, yeah. Be my guest. Uh I mean it's it's it we we've mentioned there's there's an investigation. The the lead detective uh throughout the film is a guy called Kenichi Takabe who is trying to get to the bottom of these murders that seem to be symbolically connected because the victims have an X cut into their throat across, which is, is, is sort of really alarming actually to see. Um, Takabe thinks therefore there is some reason, there's some pattern. Maybe there's a book or a novel that's recently been released that's inspiring these killings, serial killings. He thinks as a serial killer, as a more pessimistic uh, psychologist on the team Sakame who's not so sure that this is um uh you know a high concept killing but we're also seeing alongside this investigation Mamiya um who whose name actually sounds a bit like Mesmer hmm. um we encounter first on a, on a beach uh, just looking skyward in the middle of nowhere um and a young man, um, a school teacher, we learn, is, is quite worried about him and takes him home. And uh, Mamiya hypnotizes this, this school teacher, um, and we later discover that that uh, he, he 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 the school teacher goes on to kill um, his uh, his wife. Um, and this recurs recurs quite a few times. That um, we then have a policeman um, that kills his his colleague and a GP. Um, Dr. Miyajima, who kills, um, I think, I think a random man. I don't think it's mm. one of her her patients. Mm. Um, and again, we have this this pattern of the, the kind of cross um, on the neck. The yeah. film becomes something else um, about who the killer is. So we, and by that I mean, in a deeper sense of yeah. what motivated him. Um, you know, and this is the very question that. That of course, um, Mamiya is posing to the people he tries to hypnotize. Who are you? And I don't just mean who your name is. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean who are you in in a, in a deeper sense? Um, mm. And I think we as audiences find him quite quite beguiling. It almost feels like he himself is under hypnosis at times. He seems quite listless, but also yep. weirdly in control. Um, yes. I think I'll leave it there unless there's anything. No, I, I don't think that's want a to good. R- I mean, I know we say yeah. we don't avoid spoilers, but perhaps we shouldn't. Yeah, we shouldn't, uh, you know, gratuitously ruin the film for anyone who hasn't hasn't seen it, unless we have to, because um, it does move in. It has something of a 
I'm not sure a twist ending is quite right, but something that's a little bit like a twist ending, which perhaps we, we can talk about if, if we need to. But um, I mean, I, I think the only sort of the, the major element I'd say that perhaps is um, we haven't covered yet is is the fact that um, uh, Hatakabe, the you know main detective, that his wife is mentally ill. Um, and so she keeps doing that. She she keeps compulsively uh, switching on the washing machine, even though there are no clothes in it. Um, so his, uh, I think the the question of his his fear that she will, um, if it, you know, will come to some harm or will cause some harm to herself, you know, or will kill herself. Um, yeah, his his fear. He doesn't want that to happen because he loves his wife versus his his desire at some level for that to happen because his life is fairly miserable because um it's just exhausting living with this woman is um is also a crucial thread i mean i think there's also another one of the things i think that particularly interests me which i think is something that the film is about so the other probably most important and character sakuma who's who's the uh, psychologist, yeah, psychiatrist, sort of more of a more of a psychologist, I suppose, who um, who is Takabe's main kind of kind of partner in the investigation, um, and yeah, I think he says quite interesting things, which the film, I would say, encourages you, or I, I feel inclined to say that the film encourages you to trust his verdicts, but only up, up to a point so i mean he, he says two i think particularly important things which i think affect the interpretation of the film but also affect the mood of the film because 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 the interpretation will change depending on sort of what we think is going on so he says at one point he says that um um he says that mummy i definitely was an amnesiac but I think is deliberately hypnotizing people or something, right? He says, he, I think he expressed at one point. So that appears to resolve one ambiguity, but then it only does if you, you know, if you buy his account. And then I think even more importantly than that, he, um, when Takabe first asks Sakamar about hypnotism, he, he, he gives, he comes out with his confident statement that it's impossible to hypnotize somebody to do something which they would not do were they not hypnotized so he says explicitly you can't make someone kill somebody if they fundamentally believe that murder is wrong they sim- sim- simply you know won't do it um so if if we're to take that as accurate then um i think you know that's quite helpful because that does to an extent explain the murders you now if we buy the existence of you know hypnosis um then the murderers who all the murderers importantly are not amnesiac right each murderer remembers what it is that they did but they don't know why they did it you know they when they're interviewed they say things like well at the time it seems like i should kill my wife <laughs> you know um so one sort of one sort of solution if if Sakamari is right, is precisely that these people are doing um, what they would want to do if you know society's uh, you know limitations were not in in operation. So the guy really did 
really wished his wife was dead and he's hypnotised and so he kills his wife. Or the policeman really hates his, um, his colleague because he feels that he's been passed up for promotion. Like, I don't think he thinks the particular colleague he kills has taken his promotion, but he just feels that he's been left behind. So he's, he's sort of resentful of other more successful colleagues. Um, the GP. Uh, the GP. As well is significant because um, would, it would fit into this uh, potential yeah. schema because she, we are supposed to think, had some resentment about being treated in a misogynistic way while she was yeah. a student and so therefore will take a revenge on yeah. men with a knife. Yes. And that's the sense that the way that I guess the idea of the cure is these people people are sort of or at least the mummy I think this is a cure in some way, you know, you're sort of cured from you know, you reach peace through 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 doing the thing that you um you wanted to do. Or, or although actually, you know, the man who murdered his wife clearly hasn't hasn't reached peace, you know, once he comes back to his to his senses, as it were. Um So that it's fine as as far as it goes, but what I find really interesting, and hopefully this doesn't sound too um, too kind of abstract, but it that account does only work if Sakumar is right that you won't do something under hypnosis unless you really want it to do it. And that's you know the hypnosis is is releasing you to to really to do something that you really want to do. But it's also perfectly possible that you might have the desire to kill your wife but if if Sakamura is wrong about hypnosis then if he has if he hypnotized the man to kill his wife the fact that he had also had thoughts of killing his wife doesn't make him any more culpable if that wasn't the real cause of what he did right so I think there are sort of really interesting questions about the relation of causes of causes to reasons um which I said perhaps sounds a bit you know abstract and philosophical, but I think it's um, I think it's at the heart of some of the interesting am- ambiguities here on on sort of what it is to to have done something. You know, um, there, there is there's also a, a third there's a third sort of dictum um, that we should mention. Uh, Sakuma, you mentioned two comments that Sakuma makes that affect our interpretation of the film. He also says early on that people look for meaning in murder to make themselves feel better. And of course, Takabe is, is clinging to this because his life is so split between home and work and he wants there to be some kind of connective tissue that yes. makes all of this stress Absolutely. kind of worthwhile. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so that whole thing of causes and reasons works both on our understanding of the characters and what they're experiencing, and it also works on how the film makes sense as as a narrative, you know, because it does seem, it sort of jumps around in some senses, but as you said earlier, like, it's it's not because it's, uh, it's not by any means because it's in, incompetently constructed, it's because it, 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 it's deliberately sort of ambiguously constructed, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, we can also, of course, um, look for meaning in the deaths to make ourselves feel better. <laughs> I was interested in the um, the way they're targeted. So the fact that Sakuma is a psychologist, and then we have a school teacher and a policeman and a GP. So they're all middle class professional classes, basically. So I wondered if there's something else to say about how um, modern Japan is being treated. And is this seemingly 
complex um, chain of events actually quite a familiar thing we see in other serial killer films that look at say uh, white middle class suburbia in in America is it is it that kind of thing it's, you know is it about repressed um, desires and and so on and this this unwildly kind of dropout student who lives part time works part time at a junkyard that 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 kind of is is the reckoner who who disrupts that sphere and shows it for what it actually is you know um is that a valid i mean i think tokyo is important isn't it both as a city and as, as this idea of a kind of uh, a, a modern a modern kind of community where we have these professional classes yes um, yes but there's also yeah, a sense of some level of I don't know if repression is quite the right word, but some sort of anonymity or very institutionally regulated um, interactions versus a kind of you know, inner life, uh, you know, sort of inner imaginative life. And yes, how those two, I mean, that's not exclusive to Japanese society. I think that's probably just kind of modern society yeah. in general, isn't it? Um, and also yeah. even, you can even do a, a kind of reflective thing about, because, you know, Mamiya gets in, inside Takabe's head and yes, in a sense... There's, I don't know. There's some sense of sort of imagination as a as a hypnotic kind of process, right? You know, <laughs> you know, we kind of yeah. see these we see these things and we can't help being affected by them, <laughs> and we don't know how we're going to be affected by them. They might can take us over. Yeah, yeah. So the film is performing some kind of hypnotism. I mean, it's yeah. there is there is some psychological realism around dropping in insert shots, which are meant to convey. I think it's fair to say intrusive thought. So um, the idea that our lead investigator, our tough, hard-boiled investigator, is is coming under Mamiya's spell, but not completely, um, is is there. And the, the, there's all sorts of subtle things done with with lighting and editing that remind us more of a maybe more of a horror film. I'm thinking about one link which you might not have intended. Seven is based on the killings are based on. The deadly sins, right? So it's supposed to have this root, like in in um, in belief and in religion, but it doesn't really sort of enter that realm, arguably of of kind of belief and and myth. And whereas I think maybe Cure does make some attempt to deal with um, the kind of high concept or the kind of magical. <laughs> which is at the root of the killings, hypnotism, to try and understand some of the allure of that um, through images. Maybe that's done more in Cure than it is done. Do you know what I mean? So the risk in Seven is that the biblical theme could feel quite bolted on. Yes, it's a neat, neat I'm not sort of even sure if, to hang things on. Yeah, I'm not even sure if the Seven Deadly Sins does have a, di- a very you know, etymological, like direct root in the Bible either. I, I, I'm not sure if that's a... No, I, I think a later it, invention. I think it comes later, but uh, yeah, I think that's right. The other um, connection they make to this film, which you know, other people have made, but is to is to Tarkovsky, <laughs> so is to the the kind of epitome of um, art cinema, you know, whatever you know, whatever that is. But this does it certainly has a pace which is more akin to Tarkovsky than to than to your usual American detective based you know material. Apart from maybe Twin Peaks, or particularly the you know the most recent series of, of Twin Peaks, which was also famously kind of glacial. I mean, this isn't glacial, but it's slow and yeah. The 
things we were speaking about just a little earlier about um about Takabe's conflict conflicting desires you know right his sort of desire to be free of um uh you know the burden of living with a wife who's mentally ill but his his fear of his own desire for her death um that just made me think of the story in stalker right there's 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 the story of porcupine who's who's the stalker's was the stalker's teacher who the story goes you know he goes to the room which, which will grant your your innermost wishes um and his his brother has died on the way and so he goes thinking right i'll bring my brother back yeah it just said i wouldn't wouldn't you know want to go as far as to say that you could see that as a definite uh kind of reference but it's at least it's interesting that i think it's a film like Stalker and a film like this, which on the one hand there are stylistic links, on the on the other hand they seem to be doing incredibly different things, but they do work with, you know, the notion of what you want and how much what you want is the thing that you're in, in control of, which I think uh, yeah, yeah have resonances with each other. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I we obviously covered it earlier when we talked about repressed desire. It's not quite as simple as that incure, but it is using this. Um, device of, of of hypnosis to explore that idea isn't it that we're not in control of what we want mm, <laughs> or what exactly. we would like to do exactly but that's such an interesting question because if we want it how could how could we possibly not be in control of it but yeah exactly that we're not we're not transparent to ourselves <laughs> um should we watch a sequence at this point yeah absolutely would that be a good... Uh, um, yeah, do you want to set it up? What, what are we about to watch? <laughs> Just so yeah, listeners it, can situate themselves. Wants to follow along, yeah. So the sequence starting at about sort of a little bit before 21 minutes in, into the film, um, which is when Takabe, the detective, and Sakama, the um, psychologist, go to visit the man who killed his his wife. So this is the sort of second of the murderers that we encounter in 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 the film yes so the yeah the two of them visit him in his hospital uh bed to try and find out what he knows about you know what he did right what did you make of that scene it stands out as a theatrically staged scene when you start and you start in a in a kind of medium close up, and that seems quite familiar. Kind of detective consoling, explaining, interviewing yeah. perpetrator in the hospital bed. But then we go to that side shot, that really kind of weirdly lateral shot. <laughs> it cuts to, to ninety degrees, doesn't it? Um, yeah, ninety degrees from the first shot. Which yes, and then there's later there's this pan right. Uh, which also yeah, the the laterality strikes me as uh, again actually reminiscent of Tarkovsky, even though perhaps the scene isn't very isn't very Tarkovsky in 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 other aspects. Sort of theatrical, I, yeah. I sort of want to. Res- I think I know what you mean, but I want to kind of resist calling it theatrical. I mean, the sense that you could stage it on a but. Um, but that movement is so important the way the way the way it reveals the rest of the space even though there's not very much interesting there it's just a sort of empty space so it, it's a weird space because in a hospital you'd be in a small room or you'd be in a room with a lot of other people so there's something odd about its emptiness 
but then also when the the man who killed his wife has been taken away the way he then you know comes back in from from out of frame seems completely un 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 untheatrical you there's there's no frame in the cinema in the theater yeah there's an off stage of course but the 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 as you say the pan from from left to right is is important i mean we could talk a bit more about the tone because i think calling it theatrical makes it sound like it's some kind of artistic experiment there's actually there's a sadness to this scene because of the fact that the man has killed his wife without knowing and also the fact that he's in a hospital room by himself presumably because he's a murderer so he's he's not only got a doctor he's got a guard as well um and he's such a he's such a frail figure isn't he in that massive space um and you notice he's not he's not he's not a commanding figure at all and it's some it feels significant that we pan all the way to the right and he huddles up to the extreme right of that frame edge which is the wall kind of in the way that um, Mimia kind of occupies corners of rooms as well you know like a race kind of hanging around in the corner that's really that, that, i mean that's great because there are physical similarities between this man who killed his wife how what's his name ham um uh hanoka hanoka and- Hanoaka yeah. and Mimia, like you know, they're both they're sort of a similar similar age, similar height, kind of wiry, you know. But yeah, I think that's great. You know, when 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 Hanoaka is trying to yeah, trying to make himself small, he's trying to he's trying to you know not be there to not be the man who killed his wife. Whereas when Mimia does similar things, he becomes terrifying. You know, he becomes like you say a, a ghost in the sort of haunting the corner. You know. Or a monster yeah. lurking, yeah. And the, and the cinematographer does wonderful things as well with the lighting at that point. It, very suggestive lighting. It, it's not in your face, but it is suggestive. The darkness coming over him and so on. Um, his space is actually really highly lit, isn't it? His, his natural lighting coming in from the windows. It's quite white and there's sort of that feeling of nowhere to hide, actually, is what come, comes over me. Yes. That's no, that's true. I mean, I think it's, it, it seems interesting because because they're trying to find you know a rational explanation for what he do, for what this man has done. But what's so weird is that the the murderer is is on the same quest as the other two. You know, you know. I mean, they ask him at the beginning, you know, why did you kill your wife? And he's like, I don't know. Why did I kill my wife? Um, but and they say, you know, uh, yes. So. Uh, you know, Takabe suggests that, well, the things we were saying earlier about, you know, about being taken over by a work of art. So he, yeah, he suggests that he's, he's, you know, read a novel or, or, or something. So, you know, if it, if it got into his head that way, um, uh, they talk about sort of whether he, they talk about whether they'd had, they'd had a fight or something, right? They're sort of trying to find, you know, Again, it's this idea about reasons and causes. They're trying to find rational reasons. Um, but yeah, I think the particularly sort of terrifying thing, or the really, really interesting thing, is that is is the fact that the the murderers are not amnesiac. So you know, right? It would make sense. It would. It's more familiar to be like, 
you know, why did I kill her? Really, did I kill her? No, I can't remember anything. I blacked out and 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 I woke up and then you know uh, uh, there she was in a pool of blood. But he's like he says it just seemed the natural thing to do. So I think that's particularly kind of chilling, right? And I, we we actually do see that happen in one case because we see the we don't see this killing directly, but we do see the policeman. Um, we see that thing in full, calmly getting out gun and shooting his colleague in the back of the head you know which you don't really see coming at least not for it to be committed in that way i think i think kim newman has similarly commented on the resistance to close-up uh in this film and how it seems to be you know in that way a kind of anathema to the kind of way hollywood would would, would present present a murder um, in your in your typical kind of crime investigative film, um, and that the idea of coolly coolly I'll call it coolly framing traumatic events uh, happens again here in the hospital, doesn't he? Which is not to say the film was without empathy because the the movements are all they're quite naturally interaction and so on is quite naturally staged and characterization is important. It's it's a curious mix this scene that you've chosen of of. Um, there's a, there's a kind of emotional resonance, but also a stylistic kind of distanciation that's going on, um, which is which is which is familiar from some other shots we've we've got, I suppose, of those distant pans. It seems he seems to like to pan and then just not too far, just sort of pan and then set the shot in in place like that, and and have some kind of interaction unfold. So we start with a bit of dynamism, and then there's a kind of significant dialogue of some kind this pattern seems to recur it happens again in the next scene the the view the view matters the kind of context of what's happening around the characters matters as much as it's, you know. i think what you said about yeah it's of emotional involvement and distanciation is great because i think this i mean you, you could take all sorts of films to make this point but i think this film perhaps you know surprisingly because it isn't we talked about as a, a weird somewhat supernatural horror film um this film does indicate that um, that distance doesn't need to be in tension with emotional in, in involvement, you know, according to certain accounts of our involvement with film that take a certain kind of Hollywood film as, 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 as standing for the normal, there's a, it can be a sense that films kind of force us to feel something right. You know, um, Mark Commode uh, constant, constantly quotes Roger Ebert talking about films as, machines for generating empathy um which i think is a really interesting phrase but and i don't know it i, I haven't encountered ebert in the context where ebert said it but when um when when kermode says it, it it it's always a seems to be an unqualified um sort of a, a statement of ad, admiration um but it seems there's also something quite frightening about that right about the way that films are machines films can force you to feel things you know that's what i mean someone you know like Lars von trier kind of you know plays with that and it's fascinating but it is also kind of terrifying you know i will make you have this emotion so actually a certain sort of coolness and distance can also be a way of of yeah of allowing the audience in you know to feel those emotions without without smacking you over, over over the head with them and i think that film i mean while of course you're quite right there is also violence towards towards the audience in this film in interesting ways but um 
yeah, you know, that standing back, I mean, having the camera, you know, literally back, but also standing back more sort of metaphorically, but allowing one to take that step yourself to enter into the lives of the characters can be even more um, uh, sort of emotionally affecting than those films which everyone would agree are, you know, obviously powerfully emotional, I think. Thanks for listening to Discursion podcast. I had a great time. And thanks to Dominic for choosing the film. I guess yeah. it's back on me to choose the next film. <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks for indulging me with this one. So I'll indulge you with whatever you pick for next time. Fantastic. I was thinking we could go, yeah, we could go somewhere slightly different, but we'll aim to be back within the next month with another film released on home media for you. Until then, I hope you are well and stay well. And you can find us on Acast, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Do also follow us on Twitter, please. We're at Discursion Film. Cheers.